If worse comes to worst, perhaps he'll have an accident. Hush your mouth, Batania said, genuinely shocked. After all, Britlingans don't kill Britlingans, Clavache said dutifully. We leave that to the rest of the world. That was the first lesson a novice learned when he or she came to the fortress. There are exceptions, Clavache said stubbornly as she gathered up her armor, and his obsession with you provides one. Not for you to say. Batania stood, the sheet containing all her paraphernalia draped over one shoulder. I'll meet you at the gate in a couple of hours. Surely, her junior said. Later that same afternoon, the two bodyguards strolled down to the Puka Palace. Batania grumbled about the narrow streets and their ancient cobblestones, which made it very impractical to keep a hovercraft at the castle. This was a source of grief to Batania, who loved to drive fast. Puka Palace had opened its outside section in honor of the balmy weather. The place was full of familiar faces from the collective. Though Britlingans had the run of the city, they tended to linger close to the hilltop castle. Naturally, the shops that clustered in the winding old streets around the base of the hill were mostly dedicated to serving the bodyguards and assassins who lived in the ancient castle. There were a lot of storefronts that advertised repair services, either of armor or of arms. There were magic shops filled with arcane items the witches of the collective might need or want. There were dark-fronted shops filled with bits of machinery that the mechs found intriguing. There were at least a score of bars and restaurants, but Puka Palace was Clovash's favorite. Waiting at a fairly clean table was a friend of theirs named Geit, a broad-shouldered and genial man who could swing a sword with enough force to take off a head with one lop. He was an assassin. Though Clovache and Batania were in the bodyguard division, they didn't discriminate in their friendships, as some did. Guide had already ordered baskets of fried puka and fish, and they just toasted with three tankards of ale when they saw a child from the castle approaching, wearing the red vest of a messenger. Though walking quickly, the boy was also playing with a conjuring ball. It was clearly a cheap one, but the ball was still charged with enough magic to keep it in the air for a few seconds each time he tossed it up. The child interrupted his play to scan the faces at the tables. He spotted them and trotted over. Lady warrior, excuse me, said the child, bowing. Are you Senior Batania? I am, Squirt, Batania said. She drained her mug of ale. Who needs what? Commander Trovis has, uh, requested that you and your junior come up to the fortress immediately, to the Hall of Contracts. Gite whistled. But you just got back from a job. Why would Trovis send you out again? After the last one, I'd hoped we'd rest longer, Batania said. Getting out of that hotel was no fun, especially carrying a client who would burn up in sunlight. Well, we must go, Gite. Have a drink on us. After hastily finishing their baskets of food, a Britlingan never passes up a chance to eat, she paid the bar tab and looked away as Clavache gave Guide a quick kiss on the cheek. The two women followed the child back up the winding streets to the gate of the collective. The guards on duty recognized them and nodded to indicate they could re-enter without the usual search. The Hall of Contracts was conveniently close to the Witches and Max Wing, since witchcraft, enhanced by science, provided the transportation to at least 50% of the missions. In fact, Batania couldn't remember the last time she'd gone overland to a job.
The hall itself didn't look important. It was just a large room, one wall of which was decorated with some indifferent paintings. This was called the Wall of Shame. The art hung there, depicted employees of the collective who had screwed up in some notable way. The Britlingen instruction model was heavily weighted toward learning by the mistakes of one's predecessors. Aside from the paintings and some benches, there was only a table with a few chairs, a large light source, and some writing instruments. Trovis was leaning back in one of the wooden chairs, his feet propped on the table. This was inappropriate behavior for the Hall of Contracts, for these contracts were the lifeblood of the collective. Signing each contract was an important moment. Not only was this the main source of income for the collective, but each contract might bring about the death of the Britlingans charged with fulfilling it. His promotion's gone to his head, Clovash muttered. He wouldn't have dared behave.